So we're just, uh, this is experimentation, so how come you guys are sitting way back there? I mean, you guys are like way back there, 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 there. <laughs> Hi, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be real nice. Well, you could, yeah. So, okay. So, if anybody wants, if anybody wants to move up, they're welcome to move up. And if they don't want to move up, well, then they're being very, very disobedient. But that's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tonight, what we're going to do, as I told you earlier in the week is, um, you know, if you've got any questions about the Bible, um, we'll certainly be glad to answer them or try to answer them anyway. I've got a couple written down here, and after we pray, we'll go over them. And then if you have some questions, even if you haven't submitted them, um, you know, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll answer them, okay? We'll try to anyway. Bill's got his confuser here. So... Um, so he's able to do that. Um, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love and grace, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for your, your righteousness and justice, your holiness and purity. Father, we look to your word for guidance and for comfort. Father, we just pray that you'll bless this time that we have, this fellowship we have together. And uh, that, Lord God, you'd... Um, just help us to understand your word better. We pray for any of the classes that are taking place tonight in churches that are speaking your word by means of your truth. And we pray that you'll bless them, Lord. Bless the pastors and teachers and help them to study. Bless the students, Lord God, and bless all of us, Lord God, we pray, that we might bless you. We do hold up our country to you, Lord God, and we pray that you'll help us in this country to have great revival. Father, we pray for this Asbury revival that's spreading to different campuses and different states. And we just ask that, Lord God, this would be uh, a big revival for you, Lord, and that you would uh, convict hearts and help us to repent of our sins, Father, and that you'd turn this country back over to your thinking, Lord God, instead of such uh, awful thinking, Father. We'll give you the praise. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first question, I'll take the first one here. The, the question was this. Where did the people in Nod come from? Were they fallen angels? Well, Nod is a place. Let me read to you in Genesis chapter 4. Here's what it says. Do you remember? So Cain killed his brother Abel, right? Okay, and uh, so God said, uh, you know, dude, I'm going to put a mark on you and, um, and send you. Technically, technically, I don't think Cain had to, be, had to go away. I think he could have repented from his sins because he knew the right way, right? Because his, his mother and father, Adam and Eve, certainly trained him in what God said to them and what God required and the sacrifices and everything else. But, but Cain chose 
to go his way. And he chose to, to really uh, leave uh, God and godliness. So here's what it says. It says this. It says, um, Then the Lord put a mark on Cain. I'm in Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 15. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. That's, that's unusual, isn't it? That's just... You wonder what the mark was. It says, So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So, it says, Cain lay with his wife. She gave, became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. And then Cain was building a city. And uh, this, is, um, this is before the flood. This is Genesis chapter 4. Where did the people in Nod come from? So, first of all, the word Nod, okay, N-O-D. Uh, in the Greek, it means trembling. In the Hebrew, okay, it means exile, fugitive, wanderer. Uh, Cain established a godless society. Technically, the meaning of it is to be sleeping outside the presence of God or to be sleeping, right? And that's where we got that phrase, he nodded off. Are you with me on that? Is that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I didn't know that until I looked it up. So um, where did the people come from? Were they fallen angels? Well, certainly there were fallen angels at this time on the earth, on the earth or in and around the earth, you know, we talk about the fallen angels of Genesis chapter 6 mating with human women and producing a hybrid race that was not human. It was, it was not human and it really wasn't angelic and that's the reason that they called them the Nephilim. The Nephilim means fallen ones, okay? And they were fallen. They, they were produced from a fallen race of angels. And we see in Peter and in Jude, which we studied Jude not too long ago, how that God banished those fallen, those angels that did that to a place called Tartarus, all right, which is um, the deepest, darkest place in hell, all right. Yeah, in the, in the uh, it's called Tartaro'o in the Greek. And uh, that's an interesting study in itself about the fallen angels and, and uh, you know, they have recovered bones. They have recovered bones of the Nephilim. Some of them are just absolutely huge. Um, you know, you have to, you have to when, you, when you look on the internet, you have to make a determination of what's been photoshopped and what hasn't been, okay? Because there is photoshopping that's been done on probably everything. So that was the first question. So where did the people from Nod come from? That was actually a good question. It says that, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Well, I don't know that Nod was necessarily very populated. And if it was, there certainly was Nephilim on the face of the earth. And, um, and Cain was the... Was the progenitor of that, of that anti-God race of people, of humans. So, um, you got anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, well, I'm looking at this, Richard's Complete Bible Handbook. Don't forget to use your microphone now. 
Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Mm. Uh, they're maintaining that uh, he basically had uh, they made it with his sisters. So there, uh, there was no provision against incest at that time, and the race was new and pure enough that that could happen. Yeah. That I had actually read other people that said the same thing, so that's at least two sources. Yeah. Mm. Go ahead. No, that's it. So, you know, one of the questions always is, well, where did Cain get his wife? Well, it was his sister. That's where he got her. I mean, it was his sister. And back then, like Bill said, the, 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 the race was so new, so pure, that, I mean, people were living to 800, 900, 1,000 years old. They weren't eating Cheerios and Twinkies, you know, like we do, and, and ruining their bodies. So their, their genomes was, was pure, which, by the way, uh, when you look at the case of the fallen angels mating with human women and producing that race of Nephilim, the genome then was different. Okay, it was a, it was a altered genome, and it ended up not being human, which means that salvation couldn't have been offered to those people. Okay? Yeah, salvation can be offered to humans. Yeah, it came from one of us. It had to have come from one of us. Uh, I would even go far, so far as to add to that, if you were one that believed in the book, in evolution, um, the book, um, The Naked Ape, maintained that there still had to be an Adam and Eve. They cannot uh, theorize that there had to have been some kind of simultaneous evolution. They all had to come from Adam and Eve. Yeah, they might not name them Adam and Eve, but yeah, they yeah. say one matriarch, okay, women. Speak just a little louder, I'll make sure everybody can hear you. Answers in Genesis, and you go to their dot com, and they have other scientists who've been researching genetics. And in 2017, it was Charles Delano, he wrote a book that challenged and predicted, he said, in science, that's, you can make a prediction, and it occurs, that's a big deal, it happened. So in 2022, he's got a new book out called Trace. I would have wanted a machine gun, right? <laughs> With uh, I don't know how many rounds of ammunition, but he picks out five sp smooth stones, thinking, "I'm, you know, God's going to guide that stone right in the middle of their forehead, and and they're going to, yeah." I will add to that, however, that uh, they were from the Philistines, uh, of course, and the Philistines came from Greece, and the Greece had been settled, had been pushed out of the Mycenaean Greeks. So if you go back that far, um, they had been 
from elsewhere in Europe. So of course they were a different uh, strain of humanity, assuming that they were not Nephilim or anything else. So that they that was the reason that they had such uncommonly big people. There are there are those that believe that the Antichrist will be a Nephilim. Uh, yeah, um, part the Antichrist will be a Nephilim, part angelic and part human. Uh, can't really comment on that right now. Um, you know, if you look at Satan and his conspiracy, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And Satan is quite the masquerader and the copycat and the counterfeiter. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Antichrist ended up being a chimera of sorts where he was half fallen angel and half human or something like that. I don't, I, I'm not saying that as gospel, but it's an interesting concept. All right. Did you have um, another question you want to go through? Oh, well, we were talking about the, um, uh, the question about he will not abandon you know, thy soul in hell. Yeah, here, you want me to read the question? Yeah, please. So here's the question. Um, it says this, Psalm 139.8. Suzanne gave me this question, right? Yes. Very good, by the way. Yeah. It says, David says in Psalm 139.8, and you can turn there if you want to, you were with me. Even in Sheol, does that, the question is, does that mean Christ is in Sheol or was in Sheol? Is the verse in the New Testament when Christ went to Sheol at the cross relate to Psalm 139? Okay, do you, do you understand the question? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to say it one more time. Psalm, I'm going to read the verse, okay? You want to read the verse... Um, Bill? Well, I'm in Psalm 139. You're on one, Psalm 139. 139.8. Uh, if I ascend it up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And uh, when it's talking about hell, it's talking about extremely low place. It, it really is talking about anywhere within the universe. That God is everywhere. So the question is, is, is he in hell? Well, if you're talking about one of the, the definitions of hell as being a very low place, then yes, you, can't, you cannot ascend. You, you can't get on a spaceship and fly far enough to be away from God. You cannot dig deep enough into the earth to be far away from God. For those that maintain that hell is actually within the earth uh, that doesn't fly, God is still there. That would pretty much argue that hell must be a spiritual dimension. And in fact, God's, um, God's the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. In fact, we could even look that one up if you'd like. So, uh, it says in Ephesians, okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Was that the New Testament scripture you were thinking about relating to it? I'm going to read it right now and you can tell me if it is. It says this. It says, um, to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high... He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. The next verse says, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? 
He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay. So then I'm thinking that your question is this, is that if, if I'm reading it right, does this verse in uh, Ephesians relate to the verse in Psalms? Okay. Anybody want to comment on it? This is your show, too. Don't raise all your hands at once, please. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, and where do you think he descended to? When he descended into okay, okay. Well, um, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Bill, so just interrupt me if you want to say anything, okay? Okay, so in the Old Testament, Sheol, you with me? Sheol. It's, it's the realm of the dead, and I'll explain that in just a minute. In the New Testament, it's called Hades, and that is the place of the dead. Now, this is different than the lake of fire. Okay, the lake of fire in Revelation, um, I think it's chapter 20, is the final resting place of the fallen angels and, and those unbelievers who have never believed in, in Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that you have to remember is that as it says, I believe it's in, well, Luke 23. Let's look at that for just a minute. So let me read the one from from Ephesians to you again, okay? Just so you'll, you'll, you'll get the, the gist of this. It says this. Hmm? Uh, the same scripture I just read, Ephesians 4, and it's in verse 8. And it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, in my Bible, I've got Colossians 2.13, um, 2.15. Let me see what that says real quick. Uh, 2.15 is, um, yeah, yeah, listen to what it says in, uh, in Colossians. It says, when you were dead, I'm in Colossians 2.13, okay? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. So what was that written code, do you think? Was it the law? You know, it says that he, it says he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. So, the Mosaic Law. Yeah. Okay. And it says this. It says that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now listen to what this verse says. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, 
triumphing over them by the cross. So when Jesus was on the cross, he was crucified technically in victory. In victory over evil, wasn't he? Why? Because he died for our sins. He, he overcame evil. He overcame the temptations. Jesus Christ was tempted in Matthew 4, chapter 4 of every temptation that a person could possibly uh, have. I mean, think about this. Satan <coughs> took Jesus up to a high mountain and he says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you these kingdoms. It's mine to give, he says. I will give them to you if you'll bow down and worship me. That's, boy, that's what Satan's been craving all along is worship. He wants to be worshipped. You know, I, Jesus made the right decision, of course, because I, don't, I think Satan would have gone back on his word anyway. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So he probably just said, nah, 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 I got you. So, you know, and here was Jesus at his lowest, hungry for 40 days, thirsty, uh, out there with the wild animals, and et cetera, et cetera. That, that, that was, he was at a very low point. Um, so, I don't want to take up all this, but, but I, I do want to read this to you, okay? And that's in uh, Luke chapter 23. And this goes right along with your question. Okay, Luke 23, and Jesus is crucified between two thieves, right? Two criminals. They both were ragging on him, to use a modern term, and one repented and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, please remember me. So he was saying Jesus was a king. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So when we think about, um, when we think about Sheol or Hades, okay, there's two compartments that we know about. Remember the, the um, Abraham's bosom? That was in Luke, um, was that Luke? 16? Luke 16. Let me look at Luke 16. Hold on. Luke 16. Yeah, the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that? Yeah, the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. I'm not pretty down. Time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's Abraham's bosom or paradise. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Now listen to this verse here. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed 
so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So when we think about uh, Sheol, okay, or Hades, the one compartment is paradise, which is where the Old Testament saints went before Jesus, before Jesus went down and led them up captive in his train to heaven. He released them out of paradise into heaven, okay? Now, remember, they have not received their resurrection bodies yet, but their souls and spirit are in heaven with, with God. So when it says that he led captives in his train, I'm assuming that what he's talking about is he went down to tell the Old Testament saints, it's finished. It's finished. Get your stuff. Let's go. You know? And um, there's probably another side to that too, whereas if indeed this story about Lazarus and the rich man, if that is even true as far as, you know, there's a chasm, but you could, you could see from one side to the other, then when Jesus went down, he also witnessed to all those on the other side saying, you guys kind of screwed up. Yeah. Bill? Yes. Anything? No. Oh, come Actually, on. that is what it, that is my understanding is, is that uh, those who go to hell or went to hell prior to Christ, they, because everybody goes to the grave. And that yeah. is shoal, literally, that yeah. is the word, what the word translates to. It just means the grave. And so where are they? Were they evil people? Well, yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, without exception. And so there, there they are in a place that is still separated from God. And then when Jesus descended to Shoal, to, to the grave, he did take everybody with him in, in his uh, train. And that would be the salvation of, uh, of all of those people who had been there. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I've understood. Yeah, so he emptied paradise. He emptied that compartment of Hades and, and took his saints, his Old Testament saints, out and, uh, and took them to heaven with him. That's, at least that's, that's my understanding. If anybody's got a better understanding than that, I, we certainly won't listen to you. But, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're here but to ignore him. You'll be with me in paradise. So he, right. so Jesus went to paradise to rescue those who people who had been there, who were essentially righteous people. As it's like motel paradise. Well, yeah. I mean, he said that of Abraham. Look at what the Bible tells us about Abraham, and uh, maybe we should go to that where Jesus had said that Abraham saw my day, and he believed. Essentially, Abraham believed God, and he was counted unto him for righteousness. Therefore, Abraham was saved. He was saved the same way, way that we're saved, by his faith. I mean, and when he let's... died, he was in paradise. Right. Lenora? Oh, boy. Well, remember this, okay? In Corinthians, it says Jesus Christ is the first fruit. 
right? Jesus Christ was the first one to raise from the dead, all right? So when he died, we assume his body stayed in the grave. His soul and spirit, we assume, went to paradise to preach that the victory had been won and to release the captives, not that they were captive because they were bad, it was just that that's, that's where they were in captivity. That was the place that before Jesus Christ raised from the dead, that was the place where believers were kept in Abraham's bosom or paradise, which is why he said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, Jesus went to paradise that day, and the thief did too, because the thief was a believer, and he didn't go to heaven because Jesus Christ hadn't raised yet. With me? Okay. So the thief went to paradise. Jesus went to paradise. They were there the same time. And Jesus, can you imagine being this, the thief there and going, yeah. I was, I was there with Jesus when he was on the cross. He was in the grave for th three days, it says. So we'll assume that he was in paradise for three days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I always understood also that release from the power of sin, it's not just that the sin, that sin holds you in hell. It does that. But it also holds you, it, it holds you in the hell of your way. We're talking about salvation from being captive to sin. Uh, the world is full of, I mean, we listen to it on the radio all the time or TV. It's philosophies maintain, they maintain, the world says, oh, if you do this, you have to believe this in order to be a good person. And a lot of those things are just wicked. I mean, you know, you, you watch TV and <laughs> there's a lot of those things that sound right until you get into them and get used to them. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, they used to maintain that drug use was good, better living through chemicals, you know? And a lot of those drugs just backfired and a lot of lives were really messed up by them. So uh, it, that, that's the way of the world. And what Jesus did by dying on the cross is not just to release them from that physical place of hell, but real hell, the life that you live that is not following God. Yeah, and in Psalm chapter 16, it says this, okay? It says, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, boy, I should just read the whole Psalms. Turn to Psalm 16, will you? Yes, and we'll just read it, we'll just read it um, kind of together. This is the one it's, a, it's, a, it's a song of David. And here's, I'll wait till you get there. No, no worries. Psalm, Psalm 16. And I want you to think about this from not only David's viewpoint, but think about it from Christ's viewpoint, okay? Because many of the Psalms were the thoughts and words of Jesus Christ as God gave them to David or Asaph. It says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take 
up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will, uh, also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, don't, don't forget too that, you know, the Psalms were a part of the Old Testament writings. There was the, the, uh, the um, Torah and the prophets and the Psalms. And so Jesus, you wonder, well, I don't wonder, when he was on the cross being tortured, these Psalms came to him in his thinking. And these Psalms were his thoughts and God gave them preemptively to David many of them to uh, and I think that this one about you will not uh, abandon me to the grave that or nor will you let you holy one in my Bible holy one is capitalized okay so to me that definitely refers to Jesus Christ okay you will not let your holy one see decay We know that that's true also of the, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. Yeah. He's so, quoting, uh, singing from Say me. that on your microphone, would you, please? Uh, Psalm 22, where Jesus, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? A lot of people read that as Jesus is doubting, but it is not. It's a quote right out of the book of Psalms. That's Psalm 22. Yeah, in Psalm 49, uh, 15, it says, and this is a, a reference that um, I take from the previous psalm I just quoted. It says, but God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Hmm. I mean, there's so much stuff here, isn't there? There's so much stuff in the psalms. And in the Old Testament, we just plain old have to dig out. We just, it's amazing. So, does that answer your question? Do you remember what your question was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sheol, remember, remember Sheol and Hades... They have the two compartments, you know, so I don't believe that Jesus went to hell, the portion that the unbelievers in, but I believe that he went to paradise to, to release and resurrect the people that were believers in Christ before the New Testament, okay? Um, okay, other questions?
Jesus is there at our lowest point, yeah. When you feel that you're, you know, you've heard the phrase, hell on earth, yeah. you know. So we use it. There are a lot of there are a lot of verses in the Bible that are have duality. Okay, they're, they're dual prophecies. No, probably not. But 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 there are a lot of God is so wise and so infinitely amazing that He can say something that applies to Abraham's day and and yet applies to Revelation's day too. But we do see that we do see like for instance the, our example out of Psalm 16. When you get to uh, verse 10, it says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Okay, is he talking about Jesus? Yes. Is he talking about himself? Yes. Why? Because he's been redeemed. Why? What makes us holy? Our faith. It's not because of the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Amen. I've got a reference here to Acts 2.25. Let me see what it says here. Acts 2.25. Oh, yeah, see, um, this is Peter addressing the crowd in Acts chapter 2. And, um, you know, this is just shortly after Jesus was crucified on the cross and the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and so uh, Peter has you know the spirit within him to, to preach and he says this he said he, he really quotes he quotes Psalm 16 8 he says in in uh, Acts 225 this is what it exactly says Peter said David said about him about Jesus I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then he goes on to say, Brothers, I can tell you with confidence that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead. Speaking of David, David saw what was ahead. How did he see it? He saw it by faith. Okay, he saw it by faith. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And then he goes on in verse 36. He says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Wow. That's, that's pretty gutty. And the next verse, you know, it talks about uh, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, well, repent. Repent and be baptized. And so, uh, so that was, so that, that section in, in Psalm 16 was what we thought it was. Yeah, because uh, it was quoted here. Yes. Right. Well, there is no second chance. Okay, well, this your life here on earth is the only chance you get. Okay, so let's let's talk about that for just a minute. You can't lump all Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and Catholics into a non-believing category because even though their doctrine that even though each one of those religions uh, I'll say has some pretty screwed up doctrine God knows which ones have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so so God knows their the Catholic religion is, is more doctrinally correct than the Mormon and Jehovah Witness because the Mormons believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer and the Jehovah Witnesses believe that he is the Archangel Michael. Okay? So um, that's, that's problematic when, when it comes to salvation because if you don't know who Jesus Christ is and you don't believe him, you know, an angel did not die for us. Jesus died for us, okay? So, to answer your question, those people from those religions and all other religions, okay, who did not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are, I'm assuming, in hell, waiting their final judgment, which will come at the great white throne in Revelation chapter 22. Two, I think, yeah. yeah. Right. Ultimately, only God can answer that question because he knows whether your faith is real. You can't lie to God. And all of the, it doesn't really matter because what, I mean, it's just like saying, if I go to a bad church where my preacher preaches something that he really shouldn't be teaching, does that mean I'm going to hell? No. You're going to heaven because you believe in Jesus Christ. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not because I have the right pa pastor, or even if I'm a church that's 100% doctrinally correct. We'd like them to be. We may change churches because they're too messed up, but ultimately, bottom line, you are saved because you believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, yes. So. So. <laughs> the wheels are turning. Mm -hmm.
Lent. And she's going to be a good Catholic. Okay. You have to have a personal relationship. So I could, but I believe in Jesus Christ, but I pray in Mary. Yeah, well, let's, let's say this, okay? First of all, I think it's a safe saying to say that none of us and none of anybody in this world knows 100% of the truth, okay? So that would mean that there is that possibility that any of us could be potentially worshiping in a wrong way or, or thinking a wrong thought or, or believing a wrong thing or whatever. The main thing is, who is Jesus Christ? And have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Now, there are many Catholics that do. My dad and my mother did. And my dad was a pretty staunch Catholic. He really was. My grandmother was too. Your grandmother too, yeah. Very, how many, of, how many in this room have, were Catholic or their parents were Catholic? Or, yeah, yeah. I you was know. divided up into the uh, eternal life and life of the eternal. Eternal life is a free gift. Jesus died on the cross to give it to you. Then there's the life of the eternal. Are you living well? Are you obeying the, obeying the Ten Commandments? Why do we have to do that? We're saved, right? Well, because be ye not deceived, Paul writes in Galatians. God is not mocked. For as a man sows, so shall he also reap. You don't really get away with it, even though you think you do. Sin still has consequences. It's just that your salvation, your eternal security, has been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was an altar boy. I know that's hard to believe, isn't it? An altar boy who went out drinking and all kinds of stuff. And I did not know the Lord. You know, I mean, I was up there helping the priest do his thing and, and hoping I could get a little wine on the side, you know. But uh, I, I didn't know the Lord. And yet I was in a religious setting. So, uh, what was your question? <laughs> okay. Happened with John Paul II. Okay. So, you know, I mean, saying a prayer to St. Jude or to Mary or one of the other saints is a worthless prayer. Okay. I mean, it's, it's going nowhere. Well, we would look at it probably that way. Um, Yes, and, and there you go. So God looks on the heart. So, you know, maybe what he does, maybe what God does is he wades through all this garbage and he gets to the, to the point there and he says, okay, there, you, you, now you're on point. Okay, the rest of it was, you know, whatever. I think about, and I don't know how you guys do it, but when I, I, pray, try, I pray every morning and... Uh, Oh my goodness, trying to keep on track, you know. My, my mind just wants to go this way and think about that thing. And I really think that the idea of the rosary, you have a little, actually I started to make one, you just pray the rosary, and you 
Right. Like a like a prayer list, only a prayer. Yeah, bead. Whatever helps you, whatever helps you to pray is probably going to be okay with God. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I actually should probably look it up, but there is uh, one scripture that says, if any man's work that he has built thereupon be burned. Uh, That's well, in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 3. Okay. It's First Corinthians three, I think. Better. First Corinthians. I think it's First Corinthians three. Yeah. Purgatory. Oh, purgatory. It's a ski area in. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a cove. <laughs> and I've I've heard it's really good too. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in New Mexico or. Uh, Colorado, but yeah, there is a purgatory ski area. Um, <laughs> do you want to deal with that one? Uh, the purgatory, yeah. or are we talking about the other one? Okay, no, not the ski area. We've moved on to the purgatory. Yeah. No, the, the yes, other there's one. this cove that they yeah. have in place. And, uh, <clears throat> okay. Um, okay. I can't find any Bible for it. Hmm. No, and you know, purgatory, according to Catholic doctrine, is a place that you go where you didn't quite make it to heaven, okay? And people can pray you out of purgatory after you've done your time. They can light candles. They can give money to the church to get you out of purgatory. It was really, it was invented as a way to get money. It really was. The indul it was a part of the indulgences, which was very, very evil because... You know, here these poor people were didn't have enough money to buy food in the Middle Ages, etc. And the church said, "Well, if you'll give us your money, well, we'll get your your cousin Joe out of purgatory." And you know, so you know, there is no no such place as purgatory in in the spiritual sense, as far as I know. Certainly not in the Bible. Yeah, so the comment is, is that the Mormon guys, why is it the guys that get all the good stuff, you know? He says, uh, the Mormon guys say to their wife, if you aren't a good wife, I'm, when I get to heaven, I'm not calling you up. You know, I, I would think the wife would say, what happens if I get there first? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might just not dial your number. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you're really looking for, if you're really looking for the purging place, we are there. I mean, this is what you get out of Psalm 51. Uh, this is the psalm that David wrote after he had sinned with Bathsheba and, and Nathan the prophet had confronted him with his sin. Uh, in verse um, 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Essentially, whatever purging is going to happen, it's going to happen here. Yeah. This life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, these are all good questions. Now, who else has got a question, comment, or something? Come on. Okay, you've got something. All right.
Okay, do you want to uh, talk about that? You want me to? Well, let's look up the Book of Life. He's gonna, he's gonna look up the Book of Life. So, the Lamb's Book of Life, of course, is, is uh, written about in the Book of Revelation. And the Book of Life is written in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And it is, it is kind of a mysterious uh, uh, why there's these books. It has been said, okay, and I'm not saying that this is gospel, I'm just saying it has been said that the Book of Life contains every single person's name that would ever be born on the face of the earth, which is why you can be erased out of it, okay? The Lamb's Book of Life is a record of the people who have been born again, have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Those names cannot be erased out of there. They're in there permanently. God used permanent ink on that one. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad way to look at it, really, because, you know, the Bible does... What did David say? David said... See, was it David or was it Moses that said, don't, don't erase my name out of the book of life? I think Moses might have said that when, when he was... When God was talking to the, 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 uh, him about the people that were so um, rebellious... And David said, hey, listen, or not David, but Moses said, hey, listen, just hang on with them. And if you're, if you're not going to hang on with them, then race me out of the book of life too, you know. Uh, so I would say, I can't say that that's 100% gospel truth because I don't know that we really know. What do you think, Bill? Well, we also, we also know that in judgment it says that the books were open. The so the, the way that the book of Revelation is using the word book, it's talking about the records. If it's just memory, or if it's God's memory, which God has perfect memory, it's 100%. So whatever, there, when he says that the books are open, God remembers you. God remembers what you did. Now here's something, here's, a, here's a, a deal that I heard, some of you might have thought about, that goes right along with what Bill just said. So, what happens when a person's body is cremated? And, I mean, at the resurrection. Or what happens if they're lost at sea and the sharks eat all their flesh up and there's no body left? So, how will that body be put together? God knows. He knows the, the, every genome and every cell that each one of us have individually. And he can put that back together uh, and, and, and raise it from the dead. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, that's a good point. That really is. I'm glad I thought of it. Jesus' physical body was gone from the grave. Yeah, his resurrection body. I mean, it's interesting because some recognized him and some didn't. So the resurrection body is different certainly than the, than the human body. Um, but think about this for just a minute. Our soul and the spirit that we get from God when we're born again lives on, right? What is our soul? What is our soul? It's the real person inside of us, isn't it? 
Isn't that the real you? Your emotions and your thought patterns and, you know, the unseen part of who we are. And so, will we recognize each other in heaven? I think we will. Yeah, I really do. I think we, I think, you know, if you have relatives that have died and gone to heaven, you know, you're going to recognize them. Will we remember people here on, that we knew here on the earth that didn't make it to heaven? I don't think so. Because there's not going to be any, any tears or crying or bad, there's not going to be any bad news or fake news in heaven. Okay? Yeah. Thomas, yeah. though, did see the nails of his hand yeah. and in his spine. And that confirmed to him that it was Jesus. But it was, they recognized the real the person. person. But, but knowing. Well, first of all, let's, let's, let's look at that. That's a good question. What did the Bible say? Yeah, and not only that, but he said that the angels do not marry in heaven. Okay? Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I mean, you might not want to run into your ex in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> well, look, let's look at what the Bible tells us that marriage is. When, right from the very beginning, when God made us, when God made Adam, he said, I will make a, a help suitable for him. The King James Version uses the word a help meet for him, which is Old English. And, of course, unfortunately, some people have kind of... Uh, degraded that to helpmate, which to some people means doormat, but no, yeah, right. it's not a help meet or a help suitable. That's what we're here for. We're to help each other. Do we need each other's help in eternity? Well, we have God's help. We're getting it directly from the source, so to speak. Would we still be in love? Would we still be friends? Sure. Of course we would. We're still in, in the Lord. But it's marriage is an institution that is made specifically by God for this life, for this yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, marriage is one of the four divine institutions, the first being free will, the second being marriage, the third being marriage between a man and a woman. Okay, let me, let me, de let me delineate that, okay? The third thing is family, and the fourth thing is uh, nations. God, God made nationalities here on the face of this earth, and if you'll notice, those are the very things that are under attack today, okay? Na nationality, uh, the, the present administration wants to take the United States down so that it's not the most powerful nation on the earth, not the progenitor of the, of the gospel to other nations, etc. You can look at the family. The family is, is being destroyed right, right before us. Marriage 
you know, unfortunately, the, the Christian um, percentage of divorce is virtually the same as non-Christian now. It's about 60%, which is very sad, you know. And then, of course, free will. Look what they're trying to do with free will. You, you must do this. You must wear a seatbelt. You must wear a mask. You must wear a helmet when you ride your motorcycle and it's 110 degrees out. That's right. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 7 um, uh, delineates that. And basically what it says is this. If you married a Christian, then you're under God's... That's the right thing to do. Christians should marry a Christian. If a Christian is married to an unbeliever, a non-Christian, and the non-Christian wants to stay in the marriage and... And, and be married, then the marriage is blessed because of the Christian, okay? And the children are blessed because of the Christian. If the non-believer in a marriage, whether that be a husband or a wife, wants to leave, and the, then the Bible says, let him leave. You know, there's no, no they're, they're not bound to stay, you know? And, and he, he basically says, do not be unequally yoked, okay? Don't marry someone that's a non-believer if you're a believer because you will have problems. I mean, there's enough problems with believers and believers, right? You know, I mean, you take two people and try to meld them into one. Yeah, but you did say not to seek a divorce if you are a believer and you're married Correct. to an unbeliever. Yeah, if, if right. you're married that's, to a believer. That's, that's the testimony. You know, yeah, don't, don't, don't mm -hmm. seek a divorce. Now, what do you do if your partner who is a Christian, you're a Christian, wants a divorce? Takes two to dance, don't it? You know? Only takes one to file and two to dance. Thank you. Yes. So, does that answer your question or no? Yeah, yeah, been there, done that. Um, that's tough, you know, uh, that's, that's real tough, you know, and you marry someone, you think they're a Christian, and uh, it turns out that they really uh, weren't that interested in God, so. Um, Isn't that the story of Isaac and Rebecca? If you can stay together in peace. Right. Yeah, and some couples can do that. Some couple, what were you saying, Bill? Oh, I was just thinking, oh, was it Jacob and Rebecca? Anyway, where he was, uh, his father-in-law gave him the Subst other substituted woman, the substituted the bride, and he had to work for yet another seven years to get the woman he really wanted. But he didn't divorce her. He still married her, yep. and he stayed married. Yep. And that, the testimony that you get from that is sticking with a, uh, a faulty marriage is stronger. It's a way of bearing testimony. That's what the righteous do. I mean, that's just who are, what a righteous person is. Somebody who sticks with it. 
It, it's so hard. I mean, it just is hard, you know. And, and uh, you know, it's hard enough to control your own emotions, your own life, your own, try to control your own sinfulness, let alone if you've got a mate that is going sideways on you. It's, 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 there is very few trials in life that are worse than those kind of trials. If you have a health trial, you can go to the doctor and hopefully get fixed. If you have a financial trial, you can go get a second job and try to fix it, right? But if you've got a relational trial where you've got a husband or wife that you just can't seem to get along with, now, now that's just real, real tough. And, and uh, you know, I don't, I, don't believe, I don't believe that God, I believe that God will forgive any sin except the sin of rejection of Jesus Christ, okay? He, he can't forgive that one, okay? That's one he can't. So if a person is a Christian, they get a divorce, um, you know, regardless of whose fault it is, God can forgive that sin and you can move on and, uh, you know, God, God can, can work things out. Nothing comes as a shock to God, okay? It might come as a shock to us, but not as a shock to God. And, and you know, I know of um, one gal that uh, found out that her husband was having an affair, husband of 15 years was having an affair with uh, their cousin and um, what do you do I mean and that's the second time he's done it and she says I'm not going to take him back and you know what I said I don't I don't blame you I don't blame you Jesus Christ said except for the cause of adultery mm -hmm. yeah you know and if you can you know if, if if God can forgive the sin and you can forgive the sin and work things out, then that's a different story. You know, ideally speaking, ideally, as Christians, we should be able to work through just about anything, all right? Uh, you know, as I've been talking about on Sundays, the impossible situation, okay? We all have all experienced impossible situations that have come our way, and, uh, you know, I, I can tell you right now, God's brought me out of several. And Paul, I didn't, I couldn't see the, the end of the tunnel, but. And Paul did write about what, especially like with a woman. I've had, I've talked to women that have said, my husband beats me, what do I do? You know, leave him. Don't get a divorce. This is Paul's uh, instruction. Don't get a divorce. Try to be reconciled to him, but you don't have to stay in that situation. Absolutely if not. it's an abusive situation, by all means, get out of it. Yeah. And then also, too, I want to, you know, uh, immorality. Okay, immorality is not only just sexual immorality, but there's a lots of immorality. Spending your grocery money gambling. Is that immoral? You bet it is. Uh, uh, you know, um, th there's there's lots of there's lots of different aspects of immorality that come into play in a marriage, and that you know, um, like Bill said, you know, if if you can work it out, great. If you can't, there's a lot of. I mean, God would never expect someone to stay with someone who was whooping on them, you know, beating them or something like that. It just 
It's just, I would advise that gal to go take a march, martial arts class and whoop on him. But that's just me. See, I'm, I'm not God, so aren't you glad? Absolutely, you know, and it says in James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, pure joy, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And trials that... We just can't get out of trials, unfortunately. I, until, we, until we get to heaven, we'll, we're, we're going to face trials. So, Well, what do you guys think about our little... Uh, what time is it? Is it, it is 8 o'clock. Is it 8 o'clock? Okay. So, I mean... Was that... Lucky? It's four minutes. Four minutes? Okay, well... So, what I would like to have you do, if you want to do it again, okay, is as you're reading or thinking or whatever, just write down something that you'd like to talk about in, in, uh, in Bible class because, you know, usually when you get to Bible class, it's one person talking about all this stuff. And eventually, if you go to enough Bible classes, it'll hit on something that really moves you or that you need to hear, right? But if we do it this way, it may be something that you want to hear or need to hear like tonight. You know what I mean? So, uh, so it's kind of fun. And Bill, thank you so much for. He is the. Um, he, we're going to call him the the brains of the outfit. Okay. Bill says he's over. <laughs> Bill says he's over prepared tonight. Uh, he he brought the he brought the computer and uh, he brought some other other books and and you know thank you so much, Bill, for doing that. That's awesome and yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, do you want to lead us in prayer to yeah. end it? Okay. Um, dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study your word and for all of the fantastic materials that have been made available to us so we, so we can look into the word of truth. Uh, we pray that you uh, let us bear good fruit, put down roots in our heart, and uh, help us to walk more joyfully in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and if you can, if you can get us some questions or thoughts or whatever before the Bible study, then we can look up some verses and be maybe a little bit more prepared than what we would be if you didn't. Okay. God bless you. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see you Sunday. <laughs>